What's up, guys? You're listening to Urgency. I'm Mo, and I'm your host. I hope everyone out there is safe and doing well. Thank you for tuning in. So today's podcast is a little bit different. This year, there's been some plans to expand the podcast and start doing interviews, bringing in different people and doing and getting their different points of views on the show. So today, I have some of my closest friends joining me via FaceTime. So before we get in, in, into introductions, I want to give you a little preview of what we're uh, going to talk about in today's episode. Many of us are familiar with the recent 10-part or 10-piece documentary about Michael Jordan, and many people call him the greatest basketball player. But And also, there are countless debates about his game on the court, his statistics, his championships, and comparisons to other players. But today will be slightly different situation discussion. Today we'll discuss Michael Jordan's leadership, his mentality, and how he got and how he used those things to propel him and lead his team not only into to six NBA championships but also through their failures as well. So now that we have an idea of what's to come, let's get into introductions of my guests. My first guest here, I guess we'll go in order of FaceTime. I have uh, Michael Connor at the top. What's going on? Then I have uh, Robert down below there. Yeah, what it do, what it is. And then I have Nalesh down bottom. How's it going? <laughs> All right, so uh, I guess we'll talk about when. Uh, what do you What do you guys over think about the overall um, overall documentary? If you had to say in like two sentences. I, for one, thought it was a great history lesson. Like, um, I was born in 91, so like, I didn't really start watching basketball till like, the end of Michael's one with Chicago. So, uh, for me, it was a great history lesson, like, you know, relearning. Because, obviously, you know, I watched all the highlights and, you know, YouTube videos growing up. But, you know, it was a great history lesson, I would say. Nice. What about you, Michael? You know, for me, it's... Uh... I always knew about Jordan's greatness. Um, you know, growing up in LA, I was always I was raised a Lakers fan, so all I knew was Magic, and then after Magic, Kobe, Shaq dynasty. But I knew about Jordan, and I knew about how good he was. But I think this kind of like just reemphasized and reassured like this man is the reason why a lot of people play. A lot of people are the way they are is because of what he did and it just all makes sense to me after watching all this it's just like you see a bunch of players today how great they are a lot of younger uh, people out there are like oh this guy's the goat this guy it just brought people back to reality like no this guy set the bar let me remind you yeah that's what it was for me yeah what about you Neil? yeah i mean i think reason and mike pretty much hit the nail on the head but just to add to that i would say that um Jordan, um, what this really, uh, I guess, highlighted for me even more was how he transcended more than just the game of basketball. He was a cultural icon. You know, he was, he, he globalized the sport. He globalized fashion to the way we know it today. I don't think, you know, certain terms like sneakerhead would even be in circulation if it weren't for Jordan. Yeah, that's to begin true. With. You know, so I think, you know, for me, it just really, and again, I was kind of, I, I was a big Jordan fan growing up. I was a, I mean, I was a kid, I was in elementary school, but 
I remember the second three-peat. I, I watched a lot of the games. I was a huge Jordan fan. Yeah. But I, I obviously, I never really understood that he was more than the game, and I think this uh, docu-series really highlighted that. Yeah, for sure. All right, so Danny joined in. You want to you wanna introduce yourself, Danny? <laughs> I got it. What is this, John? Live? Yeah, it's, it's recording. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's Danny. So, what what do you think about uh, the the documentary overall? I mean, at times I felt like it was a little boring. Not, I almost tight. No, it was a good documentary, and I like the way they brought it back, like from the first three P to the second three P, and back and forth. You see how the man has grown, his game. See that change? I mean, he definitely changed the game. He was a beast. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Definitely the GOAT. I don't think anyone's really going to pass him ever. But he better get some scrubs. That's what we <laughs> <laughs> I got a point to that. I got a point to that. <laughs> I, I wanted to address that. I thought about you, Danny, when you said that. When they played game six with no sound, no, like, you know, you saw the real player. Yeah, you know, Danny has a point. We all got on Danny the last time when he said they played against some scrubs. And it was only until, I think it was yesterday, when I, uh, I think it was, um, saw on Twitter, someone was like, said something about, like, today's players. And I thought to myself, you know what? How, it, now, it's, it's a small sample size, what we saw according to, you know, that, that game six or whatever versus yeah. the, um, the Jazz. Uh-huh. But think about it. James Harden doing his bike. Step to the side and his Euro steps. Who could guard that back then? Like, who True. could do that? Who can guard Kevin Durant? He's a seven footer shooting exactly, threes. Bro. Who can guard yeah. Steph Curry pulling up from 45 right. feet? Like, right. that's just. And, and people always talk about, oh, hand checking hard, and that was a little physical. Bullshit. You saw all those games. I will say it was more physical. It was more physical back in the day. Yeah. Now you get called for a foul for passing gas. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if uh, the current players were to play back then, they wouldn't be able to keep up with all the back and forth with getting hit. It's bottom line skill, bro. There's way more skilled players now than there ever was in the NBA. But Jordan put that mentality in in because they want to be like Mike. That's true. So we just got Roshan who signed on here. Um, you want to give a little introduction? What's going on? <laughs> all right. So we're just discussing um, basically our uh, all of our thoughts on uh, the whole documentary. So what are your thoughts overall? Oh, I thought it was great, man. I loved it. I loved how they showed, uh, they did a little interview with Kobe. Yeah, that was definitely nice. Right? And yeah. um, I love the background of the players. Also, there's a lot of things I didn't know. Yeah. I think we all learned a lot from the whole documentary. There's things yeah. that I had no idea and that were put to life. So. such an asshole. <laughs> oh, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Wait, who was such an asshole? Jordan. Oh. Yeah. So I guess uh, keeping in line with... Uh, leadership and all that so there's so many leaders in life and in sports and each championship team and each sport every year they have some sort of leader each company has a leader each family even has a leader or leader partnership 
So in discussion with Jordan being the greatest basketball player, does Jordan also is Jordan also the greatest leader? Like there are several instances where MJ showed his leadership. One aspect is like he he always gave credit. So I always think about it like bosses bosses take credit and give blame, but great leaders give credit and take blame. So MJ was quoted as saying whenever they speak about Michael Jordan, they have to speak about Scottie Pippen. And he didn't win those championships, he said, without Scottie Pippen. So is giving credit vital in order to have people follow you to accomplish a common goal? I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's very different in that every individual is obviously their personalities are different, right? So I right. think there are different leadership styles. Right. And I don't think one leadership style is necessarily better than another leadership style. I mm-hmm. think whatever leadership style suits you as an individual is the leadership style that you should um, implement yeah. in your daily life. And I think Jordan, he just is a, you know, in the end of episode seven, when he when he kind of gets emotional, he talked about how, like, this is just me. This is how I play. Right. You know, if others want to look at me and look, call me a jerk, call me a tyrant. That's on, that's on you, but this is just how this is all I know. Yeah, kind of thing. right. And I think Jordan only knew that he wanted to just get the best out of his teammates. Yeah, because he wanted to win, and he I don't think he knew any other way to get the best out of his teammates but to push them and push them and push them. Yeah, and people will say you know LeBron has an alternate type of a leadership style. It's a little bit more. Kind of like similar to Scottie Pippen. He doesn't necessarily get at you, but he wants you to do well. He, of course, he, he pushes you, but in a different way. Right. A little bit more. You don't. You know, people say you don't necessarily have to be a jerk to do it. Right. And I just think Jordan, um, like you said, he gave credit, and I think in order for others to to want to buy in to your uh, mentality and yeah. your leadership style, you need to acknowledge what they do, and right. I think Jordan did that. So. I was fine with it. I yeah. just think everyone has their own styles and to each their own. That's true. <clears throat> Adding on to that, um, I don't necessarily think it's vital to um, give credit. He ended up doing it. Yeah. But I think like if um, I think most of us can agree, Jordan's leadership style was lead by example, right? Right. And to that, like you know, um, I think like without a doubt, there's no greater alpha in sports than Michael Jordan and you know um being the alpha you know he took the responsibility like he took you know he wanted that last shot he never uh, you know shied away from it and you know just like uh, going off what No said you know you set the tone you know everybody follows right follows suit yeah I think that's I think Jordan's a great example I think of leadership uh, not only in sports, but Danny probably can attest as he's a current manager, you know, in his profession. But yeah. even in the workplace, you know, you, he said in the documentary, I didn't do, you know, I, I asked these guys to do things that I do myself. Right. And that's exactly what you want from a current leader in yeah. your profession or in sports, right? Yeah. You want someone who's going to be there in the trenches doing the things that you can do. Yeah. Who's not too proud to do those things. Um and I think he just exemplified that. Yeah. And and not a lot of people can do that. Yeah. Um, there's a do- lot of different leadership styles. You know, Breeze mentioned it. You know, LeBron is different. 
I think Kobe and Jordan have the kind of the same mentality. Not all the time you have to be like them in order to, you know, have success and that type of thing. Yeah. But um, he, I think he did it in a way that he brought the best out of everyone, and you saw that. Yeah. And that's... I, the, I was about to uh-huh. Go ahead. I think the same thing. Like, I was thinking of, as soon as you said leadership, I'm always thinking about my job. Because as a boss, you always think of yourself as a leader. Right. And being a leader, it takes time. And I think Jordan, when he first came in the league, he wasn't a leader. He wasn't a leader to probably the second three-peat. Right. That's, you know, that's when he started passing that ball. Yeah. If you look at Jordan's stats, he shoots 30, 40 shots a game. Yeah, it definitely takes time to develop into a leader. <laughs> he was making almost all numbers, of them. Numbers, he, has, he has a high efficiency rating. He has a high rating. No, the rating was horrible. But let's take it back to the <laughs> Jordan, Jordan's efficiency was pretty good. But, I mean, there's two ways to lead, right? Right. You lead by example, or you lead, you know, like spreading the wealth, spreading the work. Me, I try to. I try to lead, but I like to teach too. Yeah. Because I always want that next person to get on that next level. Right. After I lead. Because I'm always moving up. So <laughs> I'm already thinking, you know, two years from now, this is my spot. That's my goal. Right. And a leader should always have goals. And Jordan's goal was the chip. That's true. But he- Jordan could have had way more rings in the era that he played in. If he didn't leave after that first three-peat, they probably would have won the year after. You think they would have won eight in a row? Yeah, because as soon as he came back, I think they so. went again. That's yeah, true. That's who their going to be. But you I never know. They... He, he may have needed that mental break from the game. Otherwise, he would have collapsed after, like mentally broken down, you know? No, he, he thought that, went to baseball, and felt lost and came back. Yeah, it was crazy to me to see that uh, people actually thought, and I had no idea, and anybody else can can chime in, but I had no idea people thought that this was a, a suspension. could have been like a hidden suspension. Yeah, no, which was a which pretty di- different take on it, because I had never heard that before. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, it, it, it makes sense, so to speak. Like, yeah. oh, it's something they could do. But, yeah. I mean, that's just... But the lockout had, had a lot to do with it, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So with uh, sticking to the subject of leadership, like Michael was mentioning earlier, MJ never asked anyone to do anything other than what he, 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 he never asked anyone to do anything that he didn't do himself. So he, if he pushed his teammates to work their ass off and give everything they had, it's because he was doing it himself. And the, the, best, ex, the best example of leadership, in my opinion, was the flu game where... MJ got food poisoning from the pizza he had eaten the night before. And NBA Finals game. Like, anyone have a different example of their best uh, leadership example that he had set? You're saying Jordan? Yeah, Jordan. I mean, I actually, I noticed, like, you know, a couple of different styles that he, you know, like, did. Like, one thing I was thinking about was, um, remember when Dennis Rodman went on his bender yeah, to Vegas? Yeah, to Vegas, yeah. Like, you know, I guess, like, leaders can think, like, you know, you're only as good as the worst person on your team. Right. And, like, when he was, like, gone, like, from practice and, like, took the hiatus or whatever, I think, like, they mentioned that Jordan actually went out there and, you know, brought him back. Yeah, like, went knocked on his, uh, like, 
Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Car- you know Carmen Hockey was hiding under the sheets. Yeah. But, you know, um, but, you know, he, he brought, went and brought Dennis Rodman back because, you know, he realized, you know, we can't win without Rodman. Yeah. You know, we need him on our team. Yeah. Leader went out and, and he, as the leader, he went out to go bring him back. Right. You know, to complete the team. I thought that was, like, you know, a good leadership quality of this. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I didn't know it. What a dog that was Rodman wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, whether it's like food poisoning or even if it was a regular flu, it's like almost physically impossible to get out of bed in those two situations, especially for an NBA Finals game. You know, if uh, if anyone has the have has had the flu or like food poisoning, you know, like how difficult it is to even get out of bed. So like I myself had had the flu this past December and then I've had food poisoning three times. And to tell you the truth, it's the food poisoning is the worst pain that I've ever felt. Oh it's gosh. worse than a broken bone. Yeah. Like I'd rather break two bones at the same time than have food poisoning ever again. <laughs> so, like how how important? Like for me, I'm using the flu game as an example because that was like the most the, that was the highest example of a leader that he he could have shown. So how important is it for a leader to set the example? No matter how, no matter what he or she is going through in their own lives, you know, in order for others uh, to buy I in, was, I think it was. I think it showed the greatest leadership quality to me when he won the championship and he was crying right after his father died. It showed that he was vulnerable, um, that he's human, um, and I think that's what a lot of people look for in leaders: is that they're just like me, they're just like you. Yeah. Like, like things happen in their lives, we cry. You know, we laugh, but to show that emotion, Jordan's yeah. always been known as this, you know, this, this... He was looked at like know, a god. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. hard to the core, doesn't doesn't laugh, doesn't joke, but when he broke down and he was Classic. crying, it, it, showed, it showed to me that he was vulnerable, that he's human. Yeah. Um, and, and that he can be comfortable crying and, and doing those types of things around other people. Right. Yeah. And um, kind of like... Uh, in addition to that, uh, kind of like to what BC was speaking to just a little while ago about the Rodman situation, I think Michael and I think Jordan and kind of like Phil, all of them as the the primary, you know, Phil as the head coach and Jordan as as the leader of the team, they realized that you know Rodman was just wired differently, yeah. right? So like the set of rules that Rodman played by were a little bit different. And I think as a leader, you need to know your personnel. You need to know your people. Yeah. And you need to know that, you know, Rodman was just like, I just need a vacation. He, he had a certain, he had reached a certain point and everyone knew, you know, Rodman's, you know, what he was going through and what he had gone through in his past. The true, the true definition yeah. of workload management. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta, you gotta know how to manage manage certain personalities. And right. I think as a leader, you can't just treat everyone exactly the same. The same. Yeah. And you, you gotta get the best out of everyone. And even if that means, hey, Rodman needs his vacation for a weekend, you let him do it. Yeah. And you know, and then you bring him back because that's how you still get the best out of yeah. him. Yeah. I also think like if it also depends on what they're bringing to the table because Rodman needed those times away, but. Everyone knew he gave a hundred percent when he was on that floor. Exactly. Absolutely. No matter what, you know. Yeah. Even after that whole Vegas thing, he was out sprinting everybody in practice, hung over and yeah. drugged up. Yeah, like, who who knows what he did? Too. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I go party 
but I'm gonna bring that shit. Like, yeah. when you go in the court, yeah. I'm bringing it. So I think and it also depends on. Been, yeah, go ahead. No, nah, I just I was gonna uh, just say that also. Like, I'm sure things would have been different if Robin did all that, but didn't help produce on the court. Right. 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 Then I don't think he would have had a place on the team. Right. At that point, yeah. Exactly. Because they tolerated it because they knew he could get they could get rings out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I personally yeah. think Jordan was a horrible leader. I think the true leader of that whole squad was Phil. He brought all those uh, weird Indian shit to their practices. The Native American <laughs> stuff, the Buddhism. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's the ultimate, like, manager slash coach because even Jordan said no matter how big of a player you were, he always brought you into the process, right. you know? So, that, that, I mean, there's no championships without Phil Jackson. Yeah, yeah, I think it speaks volumes that Jordan didn't want to play for any other coach. Yeah, for sure. And it's not even that Phil is the best coach in history because Phil had... Michael, Jordan, I mean, uh, Michael, Kobe, and Shaq in his career. Right. And after they all retired, there was a shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. He killed killed the Knicks. Right? And they're still bad. He's been with them for like, what, almost 15 years? But, But being a GM is different from being a coach. Right. You're like on the floor it's, it's still, it's with the players. players though. It's still knowing players and basketball. No, he definitely gets credit. I think uh, the GM definitely uh, gets a little credit. That's like blaming everything on Bruce when the skin suck. I definitely did a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but in, in that, I guess in that aspect, the Bruce Allen thing, I mean, we all know the situation with him, but if he brought in MJ type talent, Rodman type talent, Scotty type talent, you know, and we're winning Super Bowls, we think he was a pretty decent GM. You know? It's it's when you start losing is when all the negatives come out. When you're winning, no one yeah. talks about the negatives. There's no point at that point, you know? Right, because we yeah. had no idea Jerry Krauss was such an ass until we saw this documentary. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. Yeah. yeah. Not to be sure yeah, yeah, not to this extent. Right? Yeah. yeah. But then also... I, I didn't even know who he was. I, you know, like, <laughs> I think he mentioned him in um, his Hall of Fame speech. I'm like, who's Jerry Krause that's not here? And, but like, he mentioned it then, but like, you know, watching the documentary, I realized, like, oh, okay. Yeah. This is the perception of him. Yeah. Yeah. And the players were so openly, like... They would openly make fun of him. In front of a lot of people, you know? It's like he was, I guess, a leader in a way because he was in charge of the team. He was the GM. In a way, he was Phil's boss. He fired Doug Collins and made Phil the coach. Yeah, but then he also even said that even if uh, Phil went 82-0, and he's still not coming back next year. Yeah. And so he has, I guess, his pros and cons. He couldn't afford him. The salary cap wasn't as high as it is now. That's true. So, in uh, if, if someone wants to accomplish something, especially like something so rare as winning an NBA championship, 
there's an incredible amount of focus that's needed. And MJ said that every time he stepped on the court, his focus was to win. He said that it drove him insane any time he couldn't. So there was a quote on the series about MJ's focus, um, about how he was always so present. He said that MJ was nowhere but present. Most people live, most people live in fear. They uh, they project their past into their future, and then MJ was like mystic in a way, that he was nev- never anywhere else. Like his gift was not that he could jump high. Not that he could run fast or shoot a basketball. His gift was that he was completely present. And that was the separator quality that he had. So his focus, like being present, and is, is it the key to accomplishing a task at hand? And if so, how important is focus? Focus is key in anything you do. Yeah, I would agree. What do you think, Roche? You said, uh... How important is uh, focus and being present? Like, is it is it the key aspect to accomplishing a task at hand? And if so, how important? Oh, it's very important to be uh, focused to accomplish your goals. This is just in anything you do, you know? Yeah. Because you not only have to be focused, you have to keep your team focused, you have to keep everyone focused. That's playing the game, essentially. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with Danny with that, on that. Yeah. yeah, especially when you, there's a lot of distractions on the outside, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. When everybody has a common goal, yeah. a lot of distractions that could get you sidetracked from that goal. Yeah. Um, so being present and focused on you know, what you're trying to accomplish is key, definitely. Yeah. Especially how he talked about his, uh, you know, gambling. He had a gambling issue. Oh, yeah, for sure. But that didn't affect his game, right? You know, he's put everything else to the side when he, when he was on the, on the court. Yeah. I mean, he'd take time to smoke his cigars. He'd take time to play piano. He'd take time to drink beers. Dude, I don't know how many players like, drink like four or five beers and then go play a basketball game, right? Man, it was so crazy back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try Wednesday night. <laughs> I'm going to try it too. <laughs> no, but going off this topic, like, I think, um, yeah, like, MJ's like, um, you know, you know, I guess he's so cerebral, you know? Like, he can, like, literally talk himself into, um, you know, gaining some sort of advantage over, you know, the guy he's playing that night. You right. know, um, he has laser focus. Like, he can, like, like you know, Rose said, put aside the gambling, put aside, like, you know, whatever factors are going on outside the court. And he can literally, like, convince himself. And, like, even, you know, I guess they showed, showed like, you know, he made up a, um, you know, made up some... Thing, like the guy in the tunnel. Yeah. I forget what his name was. Um, Le, Le, Le Bradford. Bradford. Le, Le Bradford. Yeah. 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 Like, um, you know, that was like a hoax. Like that guy never put his hand on Michael's shoulder and said good game or whatever. Yeah. But Mike, Mike came out the next game and dropped like thirty six in the first half, and right. Le Bradford had thirty seven that game before. You know, I think like just that focus that he can like get himself focused as much as he needs. And, you know, um, he's, I think he just always knows what he's about to do Yeah. on the court. I think that's important, too. And, and to be honest, 90% of us in this world are not like Michael Jordan. We are not cut from the same cloth. Right. right? So, Kobe's and Jordan's, they're, they're very, um, it's a very small number unique. of people. Very unique. Very unique, right? But I think from that same token, we can still pull things from that that help us in our everyday life when we're trying 
trying to accomplish different goals and things like that nature, we can, you know, see what Jordan focused on, what he did to do, you know, in order to accomplish his goal and kind of try to apply that to our lives. Not necessarily in the same fashion, but we can try our hardest because we're not all, like I said, we're not all cut from that. We're not all going to do the things that he did, make up these individuals and make up lives and stuff just to get us going and stuff. It's not not what we do, but we can push ourselves in a sense in order to um, just better ourselves and to just, you know, get further along, whether it's a career, sports, anything like that. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that, you know, he would make up stories in his head, basically, because when I heard that, I was like, oh, shit, I do this sometimes. Because there's been so many instances where I'll just make up shit in my head to motivate me, to get me more focused. Like, for example, like if I'm uh, if I'm running outside and I see a car passing by, I'll be like, oh, that motherfucker's looking at me and he thinks I'm slow. So I'll like speed up, you know? Just making up these constant things, yeah. It's that proves, it's that prove you're wrong mentality. Like, I have to prove you wrong, you know? And I feel like that that's the type of mentality he had. And the thing is, like, I think with, with Jordan, like, a lot of people, you know, kind of felt slighted by that. They didn't like the fact that he would always just have to find something always to motivate him. Yeah. But, like, kind of like to what Mike said, like, Jordan was just wired differently. He's yeah. just a different player. And I think that's why he was so great. Right. Because he would... He would take whatever he needed to. I don't even think he needed a lot, but he would just anything. You looked at him the wrong way, he would be like, "I'm gonna score fifty on your ass tomorrow." Yeah, like that's just how Jordan was wired. Yeah, you know? and then kind of to the focus point and what you guys were all saying earlier, like for Jordan, it was especially more difficult. Um, and I think Steve Kerr kind of added to it. He said Jordan was just he played by a different set of rules, and then he he said even his own teammates could not have that type of relationship with Jordan because he was just, he was just like in the spotlight. He was just always hounded by the media. Like even his own teammates didn't have that relationship with them. And for Jordan to, despite his, his image in the entire world, pretty much, he was still able to put that all aside the minute he stepped on a basketball court yeah. and accomplish the goal that he wanted to accomplish. Yeah, that's true. It takes a lot of focus to be... I mean, to have six championships, three in a row, then three in a row, you know? You retire for two years, and you come back, and then you win three in a row. That takes an immense amount of focus. So it does take a lot of hard work to accomplish something great. It, it, it takes even more hard work to accomplish something great after a huge failure. The mental strength it takes to come back after a failure is, like, on another level. So after losing to that Detroit Pistons team in the playoffs... The Chicago Bulls season was, you know, over. So you would think the players would go on vacation, take it easy like they normally would after they get eliminated from the playoffs or their season's ended. But in this particular situation and time, this wasn't the case. The Bulls team went to the gym the very next day and started working out, getting stronger, trying to improve. And um, Tim Grover, MJ's trainer, said that if he asked MJ to do six reps, MJ would do six. I mean, uh, 12. He would just double everything, do more than he was asked because he knew he didn't want to feel that feeling anymore. So the next season they went in and they destroyed the Pistons. 
after getting blown out, you know, getting eliminated from the playoffs. So does hard work guarantee success? And what other elements are required in order to be successful and accomplish a goal? Well, hard work doesn't necessarily yield success for everyone. You right. know, like, uh-huh. um, like Jordan putting in that work is not the same as, like, the next guy putting in that work. You know, like, yeah. nobody is outworking Michael. Right. Or, like, you know, or, or like, a Kobe. You know, like, there's so many stories of, like, you know, these guys inviting, like, you know, their peers to work out with them and, like, you know, just, like, dogging them. Yeah. You know, so... Their work ethic and, like, you know, the amount of work that they put in doesn't translate to, like, you know, the next guy, I don't think. Definitely. So, I don't think it necessarily guarantees success, but I think it'll get you a lot closer. In MJ's case, we clearly saw that it did. Yeah. You know, not only with the Pistons, but when he came back from baseball, lost to, you know, the Magic, you know, that's, you know, look what that did. He gave us, like, you know, the, the, um... You know, probably one of the greatest teams ever next year. Right. Anyone else have any thoughts on that one? Uh, if you half-ass anything, you're going to lose. I think hard work always pays off. Even if you're not in first place, you're at least near the top. That's a good point. Yeah, if you half-ass anything, not only will you not get very far, you're just, like, if you're on a team, you're basically destroying their potential, too, because they're seeing you as an example of half-assing, and that's what they're going to build off of, just like being... In the sport of basketball, it comes down to chemistry, and I think after losing to that Detroit team that first year, they just worked harder and, and... Built that chemistry next year. I mean, you never saw that Detroit team again. Yeah. Done after that. Yeah, I think, I think to that point, too. National damn talent. <laughs> yeah. Natural think... born talent, man. Jordan was just that blessed. I think it's how bad you want it, too. Yeah. You know, like, after they lost, yeah, it's like you said, like you go on vacation and stuff, but. Um, I remember one of my uh, favorite mentors that I like to follow, Eric Thomas. Like, you gotta want it as bad as you want to breathe. Oh yeah. And that's how they felt. They, yeah. they wanted it that bad. And you may not win. It doesn't guarantee you success, like Breeze was saying, but it'll get you closer. Right. You'll feel a certain way a lot better than you did before. Like yeah. you did the necessary work. It didn't come up your way, but then you know nothing is a loss. It's always lessons learned. And yeah. You just keep on pushing. Yeah. What do you think, Roche or Neil? I don't think it guarantees anybody's success, hard work. Yeah. It definitely sets you up. Right. For for success later on if yeah. you achieve it, but it doesn't guarantee you anything. That's my take. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's kind of like a little bit more to that. That's that was a that was a great point, Roche. But it's just more like um, I think it's just kind of like what um, what you kind of define as success too. I think some people will be like, you know, if I if I just put my mind to it, I give I, I know that I left it all out there and I did I did everything I could to try and achieve my goal. Despite the fact that I may not have achieved my goal, I was still successful in my effort. Right. You know, just kinda like in that sense too. But will you always necessarily achieve a goal you set out? Not necessarily. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I don't know if uh, anyone has seen the uh, HBO show Ballers because I'm a, I'm a big fan of that HBO show Ballers. Um, and there's a prospect on uh, on that show in the upcoming NFL draft. And as formalities, you know, players do interviews. And uh, this particular prospect, his name was Travis Mack. I don't know if you guys remember him from the show. So uh, he's like a defensive end or defensive lineman. And uh, he's an incredibly high-rated player in the show. But he had the reputation of not being the nicest guy, whether it was to team- teammates or anybody. And uh, so in one episode, he, uh, he said to the Cowboys owner, because like the pretend Cowboys owner was interviewing him, and uh, Travis Mack replied to him these exact words. He said, I may be an occasional dick, but I ain't no asshole. And that always has stuck out with me because I always thought those two things were the same. Being a dick, being an asshole. But when he said that, when I heard it on the show, I was able to differentiate the two. Those are two different things, in my opinion. And so that's always stuck with me. And there's quotes in The Last Dance of people saying, uh, and teammates of MJ saying that he was an asshole, that he couldn't have been nice. Like even even Steve Jobs, the creator of Apple, was known to be a major prick. Like Steve Jobs fired way more people in his career than he ever hired. So is there a difference in being a dick or an asshole? And is this quality important to have in order to become elite or the best at something? Like for me, like because I've I've thought about it since I heard that uh, since I heard Travis Max say it in the show, and I'm I'm thinking because being a dick is like you know how I make fun of Neil at times, and you know I make these jokes. Like I'm being a dick in the moment, I'm just saying something, but everything's all good with us, you know. But being an asshole is like everything I'm saying is true, and I'm like this twenty four seven with him and. And I'm just a bad person towards him. That's how I look at it. You know how I look at it? A dick and an asshole are always very close to each other. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) That's true. They are very close physically. (laughs) Oh, man. It just comes down to being, are you a nice person or not? Yeah. It's just personality. People that have different personalities. Yeah. but like his teammates were saying, like he he needed to be that type of person to elevate everybody else around him to accomplish what they were wanting to accomplish and how great Michael wanted to be. In a way, it makes sense. Like he had to be the way he was. I mean, if he was a nice guy, I mean, who's on your team? Like LeBron has won a championship, and uh, I don't think he was an asshole or a dick. Tom Brady has won championships. Now tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think he's been an asshole or a dick. That's true. Like, I, it, I, I definitely depends on the era and the team. Like if if he was a if he was an asshole to Rodman, Rodman would have beat him to death. You know, but he I guess he needed to know who he can be that way with, and it definitely depends yeah. on the era that he I was think, playing. I think to to Moen's point, I think essentially what you're trying to say is just like. Uh, being a dick and asshole, like there's a subtle variation between the two. Yeah. There's kind of a difference, and I think what he's trying to trying to point out is more like uh, you can have dick-like moments, 
and you can have moments where you need to be kind of like a jerk yeah but that doesn't mean that your overall personality is defined as you're like an asshole right overall yeah and just because you have those moments you know because you have those moments where you're pushing your teammates you guys you, you know you're, you're as the leader of the team you're trying to really uh, accomplish that goal you're gonna have moments where your teammates are like man that dude's really a dick today or yeah. he's an asshole to me right but overall behind the scenes off the court Jordan wasn't like that I don't yeah. think at least I don't but, know how it was on the court on the court, on the court yeah on the court he was but that's also very disruptive in a team environment like I, I played with people like when we used to play at Spencerville all the time right we used to have our normal crew and sometimes they used to invite some people I would not name and they'll just think they're the monster talking shit and all this bullshit <laughs> You know what I mean? It, 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 it takes your game and your focus out because now you're paying attention to this dick. And that's what happened to most of Michael Jordan's teams. They pass on the ball and get out the way. Yeah. But the, I mean, like, I think... Yeah. No, go ahead, Bruce. Go ahead. I was saying, like, I think, like, you know, it's for MJ, you know, it's tough love, right? Giving, like, his teammates tough love. And if you look at all the interviews um, that came out in the documentary of his teammates... They acknowledged the tough love, but like they said, yo, like he did. This is what he had to do to drag us across the finish line, and like I don't think anyone's complaining about the chip, you know, because they got it. But I don't think you know being a dick translates into today's NBA, right? You know, especially like with, you know mental health awareness, yeah. and like, You know how big that's becoming. Yeah, it's a more sensitive all, world nowadays. Yeah, it definitely is more sensitive, and you know. Like, the way, like, Michael and, like, you know, um, guys like that were back then, it definitely wouldn't translate into today's NBA. They are probably players like that, but... It's a lot of know, um, the NBA. I mean, Kobe, Kobe was the most recent one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. um, Kobe, like, you know, those are the same types of guys, but... Kobe, you know, Kevin like, Garnett, um, they were all like that. Yeah. And that, that with this whole documentary, it made me see the whole connection between Jordan and Kobe. Like, how, how he was a mentor and how much, not just, like, the game-wise, his moves and how he played. Not only was that similar, but how they carried themselves. Like, Jordan would curse his teammates Kobe out and Cat. walk off the court in practice. I and mean, Kobe did the same thing. I mean, I wouldn't say copycat. He he took after his mentor. I mean, mentor, apprentice. He also shot 25 Plus shot. Okay. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll leave the sports game. side for another day. Never lie, guys. Never, <laughs> never ever, ever lie. <laughs> well, and just uh, one last thing to, to put to the, uh, um, uh, the asshole thing is just more like it's, it's only relevant and it's only disruptive if you're not winning. Yeah. If you're winning, Agreed. everyone yeah, overlooks it. You know? Yeah. I think it's Jordan. Jordan won. So no one really Cares. said anything yeah. about it much. Yeah. You know? That's true. If he was losing, then it would be a different story. Yeah. So I guess if this was a family-friendly show, which it, it's not really a family-friendly show. Um, if it was, though, I would have worded it like between being nice and being a hard-ass. Basically, that's what it comes down to. But... <clears throat> I just figured, you know, since they said he was an asshole, he did seem like an asshole, you know, at times. But, but he had the power to do that. Why? 
no one even close to his skill level in the NBA at the time. The only one that was close was Clyde Drexler, and he was on the downfall when Mike was on the up. There was nobody even close, man. Nobody. I don't think, I don't think it mattered. Yeah. I mean, it was a whole different game back then, you know? it's. I mean, we can compare all we want between, like, Durant, KD, Wade, all of these players against Michael, but he... It's just different, different time, different game, different rules. I like it's not the same game when you start changing the rules. Today will kind of struggle. No he, way. He would be like a Westbrook. No man, no way. <laughs> Jordan is different, man. Jordan is different. He's going to struggle. I don't know, man. I mean, you have to take into account the little things. Also, you may think he would be like Westbrook, but. How does Westbrook handle fans when they're saying derogatory things towards him? And how would Michael handle it? He's an asshole. Yeah, but he also goes to the media and complains and this and that. I don't think Jordan would carry himself that way. He let he basically let his gang speak for it. That's true also. There was no social media back then. So this last point I want to discuss, which... I wanted to kind of be a surprise type thing. So no one could like do research on it or anything. But the last point I want to discuss is. Uh, you may have noticed in the last dance that Michael Jordan always laced his own shoes. Always. And uh, according to his trainer, Tim Grover. Um, this task was non-negotiable. Like no one could lace up his shoes except for himself. And uh, Tim Grover once said that. Uh, he laced a pair of uh, his shoes to save Michael time before a game. And Michael refused to wear them. He started over with another pair and laced them up himself. So does anyone know why he had to do this himself when all these other things were taken care of by, by the Bulls staff? Superstitious. It was, it was his way of preparing for the game, kind of mentally preparing. Okay. Jordan kind of used it as a, as a, as a way to kind of like, he, he, it was not, it was not about lacing of the shoes. It was just like more of his it's time, his time to just kind of like get into game mode and just no one else around him. He used that time to just focus and get his mind ready to step onto the court. Yeah, I, think, I, mean, I, yeah, was, I would uh, say that's, that's close to the answer that his trainer gave. The, the actual answer. For me, I think it's because Jordan wants to do everything himself. The control, like, yeah. Gonna, yeah. Yeah, no one else is going to do anything for me. I yeah. can do everything no, but myself. It's, it's, a, it's a thing. It, it's something that you do before a game. Like for me, before I come to the gym, I stand outside, hit J, and I think about it. <laughs> 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 think about what you're about to do at the court, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> what do you think, Rose? I think it was just his way to prepare. Prepare preparation, all right. Yeah, mentally prepare. Get his head right. Take some time out. Yeah. What do you think, Neil? Uh, just yeah, like it was pretty much same thing. Just kind of like uh, focus. Just get get his mind ready to to, to step out on the court. Yeah. So, uh, Tim Grover had actually posted this on Instagram, uh, I think a few days ago, or maybe a week ago or something. 
And he was asking all his followers, like, why do you think he did that? Lace up his own shoes before every game. And uh, most people were saying it's about control, it's about routine, it's ritual, and all these different types of things. So he actually, I think uh, maybe a day or two, two days ago, he actually answered it, like after he read all the comments and everything. And so according to Tim Grover, MJ always laced up his own shoes because of how it made him feel. The appreciation of something new. Like you can take a new pair of shoes out of the box and like they're yours. Like it was his mentality. Like these are not hand-me-downs. And that's the feeling he loved. Like that's what put him in a state of mind before a game and that made him feel good. And for some, for some people it may be like an old song that makes them think of like a simpler time, you know? Like puts them in the zone. So for Michael, he was saying that lacing up his shoes was all part of staying in the zone and getting in the zone and, and focused. Like we discussed earlier about the whole focus thing. Yeah. Hey, little buddy. We have another guest speaker. His name is Nash. Sorry. <laughs> What's up, boy? What's up, boy? So yeah, that was a that was an interesting thing I learned. That was probably one of the most interesting things I've learned about this whole uh, documentary was about why he laced up his own shoes. So they, they they showed him multiple times, like he would talk to people, but he would still lace up his own shoes from scratch. Yeah. You know, like he yeah. just bought them at the store. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So um, does anyone uh, have any like final thoughts? about this whole documentary and things they may have learned about Jordan, not like the game itself or statistics or anything like that, but more of the mental aspect, more of the leadership type aspect. You know, I think it's kind of um, interesting how now, I'm sure everybody has seen how Pippen is kind of livid about how he's portrayed. Yeah. Grant is saying now that Jordan's the snitch because he's the one that's tattletaling like, there was girls and cocaine in the room and all this stuff. Yeah. And, um, I think it's just, um, I don't know, I, after watching it, I, there's always two sides to a story. And while we see what Michael Jordan wanted us to see, it's, I'd be interested to hear and know what other players thought as well. Yeah. Well, to your point, I would say there's always three sides to a story. There's... There's my side, your side, and then there's the truth. That's a quote that I always had in my head. So, you know, people always are going to say something and it's from their point of view. You know, so I guess this documentary did show a lot of stuff um, because there's video evidence, you know. But MJ also had the, the final say of what goes in and goes out. Like, no documentary, I would say... It shouldn't be considered documentary if the subject has the final say in what goes in and what doesn't, you know? So in that way, I feel like it's not a true documentary, but it was very eye-opening, learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I did actually see a, just to speak to that a little bit, I saw it, I uh, listened to an interview with the director, Jason Heyer. Yeah. And he actually said that uh, Jordan never really said put this in take this out leave this thing out oh wow he he was very um very um 
accepting of whatever the director wanted to leave. He just gave his own input. Yeah. And gave it. He highlighted certain things that the director asked him to highlight. Oh, okay. And that's all it was. Like they, I think no that's to his. I think that's to his detriment, though, Neil, because he, if he didn't say take this out or keep this in. He should have, especially when they're talking about Pippin. If that's your boy and you see mm. how he's being portrayed, that's a good you have point. the ability to be like, pull back the reins. Like, yeah. it's making him look good. But I think the part of it was that this, the Doctor series was, it focused on Jordan, but it also encompassed the entire Bulls organization. So I think right. you had to highlight certain aspects of Pippin and the 1.8 seconds and all of that stuff because it happened. It was a part of what yeah. happened during that rain. It happened, but do you think that the the whole documentary could have still gone on without us knowing that Pippin said, I'm going to sit out? Do you think that would have changed anything? No, but just like you could have left, I mean, you could have left a lot of other things out. I mean, you could have left the Scotty Burrell and Michael Jordan thing out, but it was just more to show. I think you had to keep that. No, I think you had to keep that because it showed how much of an asshole he was. The fight with Steve Kerr. You had to keep that because it showed how much of an asshole he showed his personality. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're highlighting Jordan as the you know seventy percent of it was Jordan's good and bad side, it's okay to highlight the Robin in Pippen, his contributions, but also his detriment. And that also contributed to showing that, you know, Pippen was just kind of like, um, he was the leader. He was the next in line. Yeah. But that's not what a leader does. You don't quit on your team, you know? Yeah. So that, it just kind of... Well, I, mean, I agree with you. I agree with you. I just think he, he could have, I mean, he kind of sold him out, yeah. so to speak. I mean, but the thing was, I don't think Jordan said, put this in. But he could have said, take it out. No, yeah. but Jordan's hey, comment hey. on it in the thing was that, like, you know, Pippen will, you know, this... This is like that one mark on Pippin's name that, you know, he's going to regret the rest of his life. Right. And it's right. so unfortunate, but, you know, such is life. You know, it did happen. And, you know, it, it had to be mentioned because this whole thing is about the 98 Bulls, you know, the last trip. So you have to, like, the way the story is being told, you have to mention all these things. The fact that Pippin wasn't a good leader or, like, you know... He couldn't lead the way MJ led him to the chip, you know? Yeah. So he came yeah. back, back and, like, all, you know, so, yeah. so honest. I mean, I agree with you. I think it was great that they showed it. But yeah. I think yeah. if I was Pippen, I'd, I'd be pissed. But I'd be I'd pissed at the player. There was a bunch of players that they didn't give contribution to. Like, Kukoc. Kukoc was a monster at that second three-peat. Right? The reason the reason behind that was budgeting. They didn't want to go all the way to where it was. Australia, yeah. I saw that Australia too. and yeah. um, get his They could have... I mean, he was he was on that team three years in a row. Yeah, I mean, they wanted to, but they couldn't. It's because of COVID and they didn't. They couldn't go out to be like 10 grand or something like that. Like, so much yeah. money to go out there. Yeah. Wait, he's in Australia right now? I think it was Australia. No, it was Luke Longley. It was, they wanted to interview Luke Longley and Kuko. Luke yes. Longley's in Australia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sticking on that Pippin subject, it did make... Like, I always thought Pippin was, like, the number two man. Like, he was macho, just like Jordan, but he was just the number two guy, you know? Because no, one, no one's going to be number one over Jordan. But as Roshan's point was yesterday in our group chat... A lot of the documentary or the 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 ten part series, it made Pippin look very soft. Very soft. Yeah. So, Roche, you want to build off on that one? No, I mean just how he 
that that one game how he sat sat out, he didn't want to go in. Yeah. Also, um, when he got injured, remember about his contract? He didn't want to have surgery. Until right, right. He's in, and it just made him seem super soft. Yeah, he could have just had the surgery like, bro, ASAP yeah. after the season, but he waited. You know. Yeah, I think I think he's soft too, but I think to to that point though, I think on the on the reverse, like everybody has their soft days. I mean, we're not all perfect. Yeah, we all get mad, we all get emotional, we do things that are out of character. But if you look at the bigger picture, what did Pippen bring to that team? Oh yeah, like there's no championships without yeah. Pippen. Even Jordan no, said that there's so no championships without that, him. Like, I mean, I agree. I agree. I think that moment he was soft. But I think I kind of take my feelings back on like, like he's a soft player in general. I think the moment he was soft, I think it showed. I think you're yeah. right. He's not a leader. Yeah. Because there's no moment where Jordan broke down and never showed that he was not able to be a leader. Yeah. But it, 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 it happened to Pippen, I'm yeah. sure. Like even the whole flu game where he hit the game winner and he was just exhausted. Like he's in pain, yeah. like he's being carried off the court. But he hit the game winner. So I feel like even if there were points where Jordan was like, oh my God, I can't go anymore. I mean, we don't know if he said that ever. I mean, in his, what, 900,000 games. They just didn't highlight it to the point where they emphasized this part about Pippen. I feel like that definitely changed a lot of people's opinion on Pippen. Yeah, because, I mean, in terms of leadership, like, the whole point was, like, um, Phil Jackson asked... um, I think uh, Kukoc should take the last shot, and Pippen felt slighted by it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, when you put Michael in that same situation, you know, Michael did pass the curve and Paxson, you know, yeah. those, those games or whatever. You, right. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, when, when he was asked to. So I think yeah. that shows the difference in leadership qualities between Pip and Jordan. Yeah. You know, Pip, Pip's one of my favorite players, too. So, you know, it's hard to watch, but, you know, that's the truth truth of the matter yeah, you know that's true and I think they said like you know I, I don't know who called him out um in the locker room but they were all bawling crying he apologized to them yeah you know Pippen and all that so you know it was obviously it was rectified right away but yeah. in the moment like it was definitely a bad look and you know definitely well it was it was it was great game. that it was rectified right away that was important yeah also, that final game in the the sixth championship. Remember, he, had, he was having sex battles. Yeah, the whole game. No, Kobe, Kobe, or Jordan would never went out. You know. I don't think they would have. Honestly, that's what I was actually thinking about. Cause it's like, okay, you're having back spasms or you're in pain, this and that. I he mean, never went out. Jordan was playing through the the food poisoning from a whole pizza, a yeah. whole pizza. Kobe shot. Like, Yo, to stay out, stay out on the court. You're, you know, more used to on the on court, the court than, than the, off the court. Yeah. Yeah, yeah as a decoy, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I there's just there's just certain players who have the mentality that nothing's gonna stop them from accomplishing their goal. You know, mm-hmm. nothing physical, nothing mental. I mean, these type of players, they don't shut down mentally. They may be tired physically. But they're going to keep working mentally. And, I mean, Kobe tore his Achilles and shot two free throws, made him walked off. And people use that till this day as an example. Like, I'm going to tough it out. Like, Richard Sherman tore his Achilles, walked off the field. Like, people use this type of mentality in their own game. And it just gives inspiration to other generations and on and on and on. Yeah, 
So, anyone have, else have any uh, final thoughts about the documentary? Anything they learned or final thoughts? Yeah. I think this whole documentary was just a reminder of what Jordan done to the game. Yeah, I agree. Not the game in general, but shoes, clothes, he changed it, man. That's exactly what my final point was going to be. So, um, as all you all know, I was born in India, so I lived there till I was seven, and I had this one shirt. I can clearly remember it was a champion shirt, that brand champion. And I never knew who Michael Jordan was, but I had somehow gotten a hold of this shirt. Someone gave it to me, whatever the case. And I remember the championship trophy being on that shirt. It was a white shirt, championship trophy, and a basketball on there. And there was a, there was a quote on there that says, Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball. And it was a typo. <laughs> you know? So if, if, if you all know, like, every championship game, there's... Um, Two shirt, two two um, apparels printed. There's for both teams. Whatever team loses, all that gear is shipped to a third world country and donated. You know, so I feel like this was a similar situation where this misprint that champion did, they shipped it off to India and somehow I got a hold of one of the shirts. I'll have to find that picture with that shirt one day. <laughs> Again, but I can clearly remember it said Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball, and it didn't say player. So I have I have to get a hold of that picture. But it just shows you I had no idea. Huh? You have that shirt still? That'd be dope. I don't know if I still have that shirt. I'll have to look in boxes. I doubt it. But I, I feel like I have a picture or two of it. Or with it on. So my point which uh Danny was saying is that he was such a global icon. Like, I was wearing stuff with his name on it, and I didn't even know who he was. Like, like he changed the shoe game forever. Like, he just basically changed what an athlete is. He changed, like, his dedication to the game, basically... Nike. Yeah. His basic... Nike what it is today. Yeah, his dedication just... Forever grateful. Yeah. Yep. His dedication was uh, so much on the game itself that it created so many more opportunities for himself and the generations to follow. Like, pretty much everyone in the NBA now is getting shoe contracts. You know, they're starring in movies, commercials, this, that. I mean, he opened the door to players owning teams now, you know, to being global stars. Like... Um, I saw that in, uh, I think, one of the interviews with David Stern. He said when Jordan was in the league, um, they were in like 80 countries, and now they're in 215 or something. And he said Jordan paved the way for that. You know, He became a global icon bec- before there was social media, before there was self-promoting, you know? Like players now are posting and doing all this, promoting themselves and what have you but Jordan did it before anyone else did it to that level and I feel like he he made his name a household name across the entire earth yeah I don't know if you guys realize but after this documentary Jordan's shoes have like doubled and tripled in prices it's crazy Uh, (laughs) I've noticed (laughs) yeah like he definitely changed like 
people don't wear Jordans to to ball like to play basketball like they would with other players' shoes back in the day, like Converse with my uh, Magic Johnson. Like Jordan made shoes cool to wear with jeans, to wear with sh- like off the court. Yeah. So he just way, yeah. he just changed everything pretty much. Who's, who's gonna bring back the beret? <laughs> I, I, I volunteer. <laughs> I already kind of have one. <laughs> you finished that? No, so I, I actually like just uh-huh. speaking to the point of like you know MJ being a global icon. I was also just thinking like you know after watching this like you know since like uh like his NBA career kind of ended, I feel like you know relatively he's been kind of you know uh you know I guess, I mean I guess he you know he's still relevant and he's still there you know as he was the owner of the, you know, of Charlotte and all that. But I feel like, you know, he kind of, I, the toll it takes on you mentally of being Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. For as long as he's been Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know, I feel like he values his privacy. He values, you know. Yeah, for sure. You know, because, like, he's, like, actually not on social media, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, I think, like, like people from his era, like, Scottie Pippen is, like, heavily on social media, but... You know, MJ chooses not to be, and I think, you know, I was just thinking, that, you know, just not making any point, just, you know, putting it out did there, any, like, you know. Did anyone find it awkward, or not awkward, but funny in the movie, and the, the series, that they didn't focus a lot on his family? I mean, they did it with his mom and his dad, right? Because yeah. they had influential parts. But not his wife, not I mean not his ex wife, not yeah. his current wife. His kids had like a thirty second cameo. And that was yeah. it. Yeah, yeah I did notice that where he left his wife out. Oh. Yes, sorry. Go, go ahead, yeah, yeah, go. No, the reason why I thought about it is because I didn't see his family, right? And I was like, Why? Why would he choose not to, you know, display them? And I think, you know, it's probably because of that, you know, because he's such a global icon, like you know, he doesn't want his family to get ridiculed or whatever, you know. You know, the trolls out there. Yeah. You know, people, he wanted to, I guess, protect them in some, some yeah, sense. And this yeah, was his to that doing. point of protecting, did you guys know that he has two twin daughters? Uh, he said in Kobe's. Uh, with his second wife, right? Kobe's thing, yeah. yeah, with his second wife. I had to look him up and stuff. Sabina showed me a picture of him and stuff. I had no idea. Like, you'll never find, like, but one picture of them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's so private. Yeah. You know, you know yeah. it's probably because, like, you know, no person, I mean, sure, like, you know, people after him, like Kobe or whatnot, but that type of stardom that MJ had, it's like, it was unprecedented at the time, I feel like. Yeah. Because yeah. they even showed in the um, series that when he was in his hotel room, that's the only privacy he ever got, basically. <laughs> Once he left that hotel room, it was just constant media, constant fans, like. Mobs, yeah. Like, I don't even think these days that all those fans are allowed in team hotels and things like that. Like, yeah. people had so much access back then that they would just hover over him all the time. Yeah. It was different back then, yeah. for sure. Yeah. For sure. I think he felt most peaceful when he was just in his hotel room alone. But why, why did five dudes need to deliver one pizza? I mean, that was definitely shady. And even Tim Grover said that, like, shady. he had a very yeah. bad feeling about that. I have something to that point. I think I mentioned this with Neil, maybe, but uh-huh. watched an interview with the director, and he said that Jordan told him this. So it's just straight from his mouth. Yeah. So the the people are saying that. So the 
situation. Tim Grover and one of his best friend at the time, his assistant, they ate prior to Jordan eating. So they already eaten, and so Jordan was mad at that. So then uh, Jordan ordered pizza. Yeah. And he said, you know what? I'm going to order this pizza, and no one else is going to eat the pizza. Right. And they're yeah. all messing around with him, you know, like, oh, no, we're going to have the pizza. So when the pizza came to him, yeah, he was shocked that he saw five people. He yeah. spit on the pizza himself so that no one else could eat the pizza. Oh, wow. That's why he ate the entire pizza. Yeah. But the director also said that back in those days in 98, if you remember, the security wasn't as high as it is now. So oh, there yeah, could have been sure. one delivery guy goes up to the hotel desk and says, oh, I'm here to deliver a, a pizza to 352. Yeah. Oh, oh, do you know what room that is? That's Jordan's room. Calls up his buddy out of the car. Come yeah. on, come on. They all go up and they yeah. try to get a glimpse of Jordan. I mean, that's possible, right? Yeah. I mean, they're serious. Yeah. But I heard that. You know, yeah. It's crazy. And I think the way the guy... the point, though, Mike, yeah, because it, it could have just yeah. been like, they just wanted to... I just wanted to see if they could get an autograph or picture. I mean, Neil, if you were a pizza guy and you told me you go, I'm going with you too. Hell yeah, I'll do something. That's just crazy. Yeah. All right, I guess that about wraps it up. Uh, I want to thank all my guests for being on the show today and discussing your viewpoints. I also want to add that if you want to hear the viewpoint from the sports aspect of it, statistics and championships and the overall discussion and summary about the last dance i highly recommend you listen to the podcast called shut your face with bernard Nalesh, who i have on here and uh samesh uh they discuss this uh fully in depth on episode 76 so i recommend you go check that out after this and i want to thank all my guests for being on the show today we'll have to do it another time i appreciate putting in the time here today thank you guys Thanks for having us, bro. Thank Thanks, you. Bro. Thanks for the